Good morning, church. Welcome to another Sunday of preaching via technology, basically online audio. Again, I thank you for your patience. I thank you for your cooperation. And I pray that we would just keep on in prayer as we work our way through this situation we find ourselves in. Like scripture says, pray without ceasing. So let's let's just continue in prayer for one another and please keep me your pastor in prayer as well. I invite you all to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 as we continue with part 2, dead or alive, and I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10, starting at verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you again. We can gather around your word and be built up in Christ Jesus. And I pray that you would give me the wisdom to endure this type of, of preaching via audio, not having the church before me. Please be merciful to me. And please continue to work in the hearts of the people in the church, that they would find the time to, to listen and to allow the word to, to convict them of their sin, to grow them, to correct them and to train them in righteousness. So they may be adequately equipped for every good work out there. Thank you. Your word is profitable for this. And Father, help me now to be clear and, and, and be with all the pastors that are going through the same, having to put their sermons online, either via video or audio. Be merciful to us all, Father, and give us the wisdom and the strength to endure and the patience and understanding to, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus as we endure this situation. I thank you, Father, now for this morning. Thank you that we can all be here and I can be here and we can listen to your word. And pray and ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. This morning I will continue to look at Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10. And then the reason is just to remind ourselves of our spiritual position we're in. We're either in a spiritually dead position or we're in a new spiritually alive position. And the reason is for us to really examine our hearts. Examine ourselves to see what position we find ourselves in. Now I'm talking to Christians because Christians know that they are, if they're saved, they're being brought from a spiritually dead position to a spiritually alive position to do good works for the glory of God. You would have 
followed in this passage that I read and picked it up that we in verses three were dead and in verses or verses one to three we were dead and in verses four to ten we are alive by grace. But when God saved us, we are called Christians. And like I said, we are in a spiritually alive position in Christ. Therefore, no longer in a spiritually dead position. And being spiritually alive position in Christ means we are in union with Christ. We're in fellowship with Christ. We are identified with Him. Like Scripture tells us, if you read Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if you are spiritually alive in Christ, Christ lives in you. And the life that you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in Christ. And that's the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he loved us and gave himself for us. To do this for us. So we can be spiritually alive in him. And this means that if you have been crucified with Christ. You can no longer live as you please. You cannot practice sin. You cannot continue in sin. You cannot do as you please. You have been moved from a spiritually dead position. Into a new spiritual position. Which is a spiritually alive position. And you in that position to do good works, to bear fruit for the glory of God. And that reminds me of the sower who sows the word. The sower, the parable of the, of the sower, the sower who sows the word. And it says, but those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word. And also the way you hear the word is not just through preaching, but you need to go read the Bible so you can hear the word as well. And you accept it and you bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold. And a hundredfold. So if you are a spiritual, if you are spiritually alive in Christ, you will bear fruit. But before we look at our second thing to remind us of our spiritually alive position, let's just recap from last Sunday on our old position, which is a spiritually dead position. And this first reminder was to examine ourselves and to see that we have been brought from a spiritually dead position, which is in verses 1 to 3, into a spiritually alive position, which is verses 4 to 10. But just recap on verses 1 to 3. I read it, and there you saw that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, in which you once walked. So when we were born into this world, we walked as spiritually dead people until God saved us. And yet Paul reminds us that we once walked like this as a spiritually dead person in the trespasses and sins. We were dead. And the once walked is telling us that we can't walk like that anymore if we are in Christ Jesus. We basically have been moved from a spiritually dead position to a spiritually alive position. So we can no longer walk as dead men and women. 
That's why you need to examine yourself. What's going on in your life at this moment? Do you find yourself still walking as a spiritually dead person? Do you find yourself still practicing sins? Do you find yourself still just living as you please? That you think because you know Jesus and you've prayed a prayer and now you are safe and therefore you can continue to do as you please or you've made a decision. No. The beautiful thing is it's good to read the first three verses of Ephesians chapter 2 because, again, God, God, yes, the Holy Spirit, but Paul working together with the Holy Spirit in him and through him is reminding us of where we've come from. And then in verses 4 to 10, what we need to, basically how we were made alive in Christ. So it's important that we see the first three verses of Ephesians chapter 2 as a spiritually dead position. And it tells us that we were following the course of the world, we were following the philosophies of the world, um, the sayings of the world, we were following the prince and power of the air, Satan, the spirit that is now at work in us. It kind of reminds me of, when I think back, uh, of James. And James says in James 3 verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So again, James also is a beautiful book to, to remind us that we cannot live as a spiritual spiritual dead person, if we have been bought with the precious blood of Christ, that He has saved us and, and He has paid the penalty for us. And we need to remind us, and it's good to be reminded where we've come from. We were lost in the system of the world, the flesh and Satan. We were out and about living a rebellious life, wretched, sinner, self-absorbed self-exalting, vile, impure, unholy. We were spiritually dead. But it doesn't mean we can't do anything good. Obviously, we can still do good. We can still live a morally upright life. But it's not for the glory of God. So it's good to see, am I still in this position, in a spiritually dead position? Am I still living and, and running after the things of the world? Am I still um, lusting after the things of the world are they the desires of my heart so it's good to to see that we were once spiritually dead now we want to look at our second reminder to examine ourselves and that is in verses 4 to 10 of Ephesians chapter 2 and that is the position is alive here in these verses 4 to 10, we witness the greatest miracle of all, which is our salvation. God grants us to become alive together with Christ. But why don't we see salvation as the greatest miracle of all time? Why don't we see that we were once spiritually dead and God saved us to be spiritually alive as a miracle. 
We should. We are a new creation. We are a new creature. We, we have to put off the old self and put on the new self. And we have to allow God's word to help us walk as a spiritually alive people. And we need to know, like someone said, to see a spiritually dead sinner made alive in Christ Jesus by the power of the Spirit is to witness an actual miracle of God. Let's chase after the real miracle. We, people need to be saved. Man's greatest need out there is salvation, is redemption, is to be saved from the wrath to come. And we need to know that the God of this age has blinded their minds, that they were dead and blind to spiritual truth, and we need, or they need, the miracle of a new birth. And we know that this is a miracle, because 1 Corinthians 1, 30 is a great reminder, um, the lovely verse, just to remind us that, and because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus. Because of God's doing, we are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And all we can do is boast in the Lord about our salvation, that He grants us to become alive to God with Christ. God our Father grants us to become alive together with Christ. What a great miracle. And here in verses 4 to 10 of Ephesians chapter 2, we learn this of our new birth, of God's incredible grace and free salvation. And when you read verse 4, but God, what, what, what beautiful words. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with, with which He loved us. It's because of God's love and rich mercy that we are saved. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us. Someone said, salvation is from sin and by love. Salvation to us is motivated by God's love, by the power of God's great love. See, it's God's great love and His rich mercy that should humble us. Especially when we read on in verses 5, or in verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 2, even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We know we're unworthy. That's why for us to, to be so grateful for our salvation or to show thankfulness and gratitude towards our salvation, it's good to read verses 1 to 3 of Ephesians chapter 2 to remind ourselves where we've come from. Knowing that we don't deserve salvation, knowing that we're unworthy. And that's why it's all by grace you have been saved. Grace alone clothed in God's love alone. Grace is not merely unmerited favour. It is favour bestowed on sinners who deserve wrath. We deserve God's wrath. And this is what we've been rescued from. 
and we know we, we don't deserve it. Our salvation. It's unmerited favor. And when you think of the word mercy, this means sympathy and compassion in action towards anyone in need, meeting the need. And our greatest need is salvation, is redemption, like I said earlier on, to be saved from the wrath to come. Grace and mercy working together for our salvation through the love of God, which was all done through His only Son, Jesus Christ. God demonstrated His love towards us, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. There is, there is mercy, there is grace, there is love, there is compassion. There on the cross, our need, our greatest need was met. And what a miracle this is to see that we have come from spiritually a spiritually dead person to a spiritually alive person in Christ. I think of it like this. An illustration is, is a person steals your car and you give them the keys. When you, when, you, and when you find your car, you give them the keys and you say to them, you can, you can have the car and I'm going to drop all charges. Grace shows favor towards this person who deserves prison. And mercy, in mercy you meet his need. And his need is too. Not go to prison and serve a sentence. So, what a great God we serve. Again, I remind us, we were unworthy of our salvation. Because of who we were when we were born into this world. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We did as we pleased. We were in complete rebellion against God. We gave no glory to God. We stole the glory from Him. It was all self-glory and self-exaltation. But God, in His love for us, while we were still sinners, He allowed Christ to die for us. What great grace and mercy. So our new position is a spiritually alive to Christ. No longer an older the old position, spiritually dead to sin, Satan, the world, and the flesh. That's why we cannot live as we please. We've got to now be reminded, like Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, talk about to be raised up with Him and to be seated with Him in the heavenly places. This is what our Heavenly Father accomplished for us through the person and work of Jesus Christ. He raised us up with Him and to be seated with him in the heavenly places. What is so amazing is that we who were once alienated from God, we are now in union with Christ in that we are seated with him. Everything he had, we have. God's great purpose in salvation is to display for all eternity the surpassing riches of his grace. And that's what he, he said here. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And are we showing the riches of God's grace and kindness towards people around us? How are we treating people? How are we living amongst people today? How are we treating people? 
Are they seen riches of God's grace and kindness flowing from us into their lives? But as we move into verses 8 to 10, there is why we cannot continue in our spiritually dead position, in our old position. Because it's for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of your souls. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before and that we should walk in them. There it is. First, by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. So, so no one can do anything good to earn salvation. No one can do anything. Even as a Christian, our good works are like filthy rags. We, we, we need to appreciate and embrace God's grace and His love for us. And that it's not our doing. And then we need to realize that by God's grace we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So how can we walk in our old position when we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand, before the foundations of the world? He was preparing this, that we would walk in them. Jesus said, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Good works is what should be produced by salvation. We saved and from our salvation flow good works, kindness, goodness, Love, joy, peace, self-control, patience, faithfulness. We have to be in God's word. We have to, to cultivate our character. So from our character, good works can flow. It's not merely saying, my good works, I go to church every Sunday, I read my Bible, I pray. Those are the things that come with our salvation. Those are the things that we should be doing naturally going to church on a Sunday, reading our Bible, praying to God, singing songs, praying together. But our good works is how is our patience working through this current situation, COVID-19? How is our self-control? How is our joy and peace and our love? How is our faithfulness? Because this is the fruit we need to be bearing before people. And that can only come from good works. And that can only come from being in God's word and reading God's word and saturating our minds so that we may not conform to this world, but renew our minds that we can offer up our bodies as, as holy instruments unto God. God has ordained us to be his workmanship, to live lives of good works. It's expected of us. Because, like I said, God prepared this beforehand. That we would walk as new creatures, as a new creation. 
We would put off the old grave clothes and put on the new clothes and walk in newness of life and bring great glory and honor to God. This is why James says, faith without works is dead. And you, you can't profess to be a Christian, to say I love Jesus, and show no fruit. You have to work at your good works. You have to you have to read God's word so God can teach you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and then love your neighbor. Again, if I go back to, to James and he reminds me in, in, in chapter 3. And James is a very practical book. It's all about being a doer of God's word. And it comes down again to character. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And the wisdom that James is after in verse 17 and 18, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There it is. There's a change of heart. There's a change of attitude, a change of character. Because God is in the process of changing people. He's in the process of, of helping us bear fruit. Because we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So we cannot be passive. We are actively involved in the world. We cannot hide from the world. We cannot stay in our homes. We have to go out there and we have to be God's workmanship to do good works. And that was our second reminder is that we are in a spiritually alive position. We're in Christ. We were once dead, spiritually dead. Now we are spiritually alive. So these two positions in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10, 10, spiritually dead or spiritually alive, that are reminded ourselves of and to examine ourselves of, of what is your position? If it's spiritually dead, then will you repent? Will you repent? Confess your sins and come to true repentance and put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that you can move from your old position into a new position to do good works. To, to be spiritually alive in Christ. To do good works. And if you are in a spiritually alive position in Christ, will you continue to cultivate your character, the fruits of the Spirit? Will you allow God's Word to sanctify your heart and mature you so that you can be transformed more into Christ-likeness and continue to be the salt and light out there amongst the people in this world. Let's be reminded of these two great scriptures as we look to Christ. Let's be reminded and be humbled of these words. Christ Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed. So how can we continue in our dead position? He has redeemed us from every lawless deed. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. That's in Titus chapter 2 verse 14. 
So if we are spiritually alive in Christ, we need to be zealous for good works. And we need God's word to help us to be zealous always. To, 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 for God's love to compel us to do these things. And the other scripture is to be reminded, and I urge us all, to no longer to present our members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but to present ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and our members to God as instruments for righteousness. Let us know that we've been brought from a spiritual death to a spiritual life. And let's now use our members to God as instruments for righteousness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. I thank you that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, all for your glory. And it's all built on scripture alone. So thank you, Father. Thank you for your kindness, your goodness. Thank you again. Your, your word is there to, to help us, to, to rebuke us, but also to, to examine our hearts, to see if Christ is in us. So give us wisdom, Father, to, to come to a true understanding of ourselves, to examine our hearts and see what position do we find ourselves in. Give us wisdom to repent if we're in a spiritually dead position, forgive us, be merciful to us and save us. But if we're in a spiritually alive position in Christ, then give us wisdom to continue to work at bearing fruit, work at doing good works out there. Help us, Father, please help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can do this for your honor and glory. Thank you again, Father. We have your word to remind ourselves and to examine ourselves. Help us now, Father, to go out there during the week and let it be a challenge that we will walk and live as spiritually alive people in Christ. And I pray this and ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I want to close with Jude, a great verse. Yes, it's a benediction, but to remind us of our perseverance. Let's close with Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And God's children say, Amen.